0: welcome to the pod buffet your selection of five-minute tasters by podcasters from around the world and this is the saturday digest perfect for that late breakfast or early brunch enjoy
1: Doing gentle, number eight. Does it serve me? I don't know how many times I've asked myself variations on this theme. How does this serve me? Does this serve me? What would serve me right now? At first, a really strange concept. As if I could choose... I was living under the assumption that I was a victim to my circumstances, not having a choice in how to proceed. If I was angry, angry I was. Nothing to do but suffer through it, and boy, was I ever angry. And yeah, there's a chemical aspect to that, true. If something happens and my anger is set off, a surge of signal substance is released from my neurons. However, It takes approximately 90 seconds for those to have gone through my entire system and break down, disappear. So after a few minutes, the choice of remaining angry or not is mine. And I do get to have that choice. I resented that thought at first. I wanted to hang on to my anger and I wanted it to be automatic so I didn't have to take responsibility for it. It's just there and I can't do anything about it. But over time, I realized that sometimes my anger didn't serve me at all. To remain angry after the initial reaction was not serving me, perhaps even hurting me. So I got used to asking the question of myself, how does this serve me? And you know what? Sometimes I choose to stay angry because I really feel like being angry. And I let myself run with the feeling, surging through my body, my spirit, full out anger. The all-hands-on-deck type of anger. Sometimes I choose to let it go. It can simmer in the background, but it's as if I no longer pay attention to it. I no longer feed it. And it's not what I front with, not how I show up in the world. Once in a while, I choose to let my anger go and have a hard time to not show up as angry anyway. Then I take full responsibility for it and withdraw, telling those around me that I have a hard time not to act angry, that I don't want to, so would you please excuse me while I cool off over here in solitude? And yes, it works the same way whatever emotion you're currently experiencing. You do have a choice. Not whether or not to feel what you feel. That's not at stake. Because you feel what you feel. Nothing more, nothing less. The choice is rather if you want to keep feeding that feeling or not. And as I said, just because I choose not to feed it, doesn't mean it goes away immediately. But in time, it will. It dissipates. Fades away. Might take a minute. Might take a day. 10 years for all I know. But if you keep on feeding it, for sure it will stay longer than if you don't. So next time you experience a rush of feelings, ask yourself the question, how does this serve me?
0: I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things which connect us, whether it's a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea, a conversation about glue, or why you don't know what you like in a spaghetti sauce. We talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. For our first podcast, I thought I would discuss what makes up stuff, whether it is us, the objects around us, or the space that we live in and what connects us. Imagine I have a bowl of spaghetti and extract one piece of the pasta. What is it made up of? Well, the simple answer is that Durham wheat, water, and egg are used to make it. These are all composed of the basic carbohydrates, proteins, molecules of water. But what are they made up of? Well, each molecule, of course, is made up of atoms, which in themselves are a nucleus with electrons spinning around them. If we look at the atom, the electrons are a long way away from the tiny nucleus at the centre of all this. And this itself is made up of protons and neutrons. Of course, protons and neutrons are also made up of even more fundamental subatomic particles called quarks. And these also have different types or flavours, up and down, top and bottom, charm and strange. Up, top and charm are positively charged and down, bottom and strange are negatively charged. While we're often told that a proton will contain three quirks, it could contain many more, but paired with antiquirks. These are all held together by gluons, of which there are many. Quirks can seem to disappear and appear, but not out of nothing, and the overall charge must be maintained as well as the spin and the colour. And again, these have to cancel each other out to ensure that the overall spin and colour and charge remain the same. Now this is where convention ends, because quarks are supposed to be the smallest, most fundamental particles like electrons. Convention says that these are the smallest particles. So what is a quark made of? While string theory suggests that they're made up of strings of electromagnetic radiation 100 quintillion times smaller than a proton, which like a cello string vibrates, but instead of creating music or sound, it creates the characteristic of an elementary particle. So quarks and electrons are a series of strings of electromagnetic energy vibrating in the patterns that give them their characteristics. The same theory applies to other such particles like neutrinos, leptons and gravitons. The problem is that this does not add up if one calculates based on three dimensions of space and one of time, because things keep disappearing and appearing. Unlike what we know of the Einsteinian macro world, it doesn't work if you have four dimensions of space either, but it does if you have ten dimensions of space. Particles are being collided in the Large Hadron Collider to see what happens to the energy given off. Energy reductions suggest that this is due to it disappearing into these other dimensions. If this works out, then we'll have a unified theory that bridges the gap between Einsteinian theory and and the theory of quantum mechanics, thus a unified theory of the universe. If we bring this back up to what we can see, the string of spaghetti, It is just a mass or an orchestra of dancing, vibrating, electromagnetic spaghetti strings. Enjoy your next bowl of spaghetti.
2: There were some good movies in 1979. Some of my favorites were Alien. I just remember the ad was, In space, no one can hear you scream. Well, if you're watching it with the girl's basketball team in the dark, you will hear a lot of people screaming. But my two favorite movies that year were The Jerk with Steve Martin.
1: Oh my God! The new phone book's here! The new phone book's here! I'm somebody now!
2: And Breaking Away. Which is pretty appropriate for this podcast because it's all about a bike race. Breaking Away was a story about these four friends who grew up in a college town. And these guys are townies and they're probably not gonna get to go to college. So they spend a lot of time at the quarry just trying to decide what to do with their lives. The main character in Breaking Away's name is Dave. He was played by Dennis Christopher. Now Dave was obsessed with bike racing and the Italian bike team in particular. So he goes around pretending to be Italian and he speaks Italian and it drives his parents crazy. His parents were played by Barbara Berry and the wonderful Paul Dooley. Now, he and his friends, who were played by Dennis Quaid and Daniel Stern and Jackie Earl Haley, enter the Little 500 bike race, which is actually a real race, and they beat the college teams. This movie was based on a true story from 1962. The movie itself won the Oscar for Best Screenplay... It got nominated for Best Picture and it actually won the Golden Globe for Best Picture that year. After the movie, not everybody knows this, there was a very short-lived TV series based on Breaking Away. The lead role in the TV series Breaking Away was played by, wait for it, Sean Cassidy! Even though the TV series was set in Bloomington, Indiana, just like the movie, they actually filmed the TV series Breaking Away in my hometown of Athens, Georgia. And some of these scenes were actually shot at my high school. We never got to see Sean Cassidy. We tried really hard, but we were really too cool to see Sean Cassidy because we were just killing it in the ninth grade. In 1979, we had TV shows like Dukes of Hazard*, Facts of Life, Knott's Landing. 1979 was also the first year of ESPN SportsCenter. It was originally anchored by Chris Berman, Greg Gumbel, Lee Leonard, and my very dear friend, Bob Lee. But I wasn't really watching SportsCenter in the ninth grade because I was still on a total nerd high following Star Wars. So, I glued myself to the TV watching shows like Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Battlestar Galactica ran from 1978 to 79 and was canceled only after 20 episodes. There was another later series in 2004, but it was not as cool as the first one, in my opinion. The original series had Lauren Green, Richard Hatch, and Dirk Benedict. The storyline of Battlestar Galactica was that there was a group of the only surviving humans in the universe and they were just trying to find Earth while they were being chased by Cylons, who are evil robots. Buck Rogers in the 25th century was first released as a movie in March of 79 and then it became a TV series that fall. Now, I, of course, saw it in the theater and then watched it on TV. Buck Rogers was based on a comic book series. He was an astronaut in 1987, which back then was the future.
0: The year is 1987, and NASA launches the last of America's deep space probes. In a freak mishap, Ranger 3 and its pilot, Captain William Buck Rogers, are blown out of their trajectory into an orbit which freezes his life support systems and returns Buck Rogers to Earth 500 Years later.
2: Side note the voice that's narrating the opening part of Buck Rogers in the 25th Century is William Conrad who played Cannon. So Buck Rogers' ship gets blown into orbit and somehow the gas on his ship freezes him and then he wakes up on Earth in the year 2491 when the Earth is under attack from the evil Draconian Empire. I will admit that Gil Gerard who played Buck Rogers was pretty cool. They described him as the Burt Reynolds of space. I don't know. I think Gil Gerard was actually cooler than Burt Reynolds. Be still my heart. Sadly, Buck Rogers only lasted two seasons as well, but my nerd card will never expire. All in all, 1979 was a pretty good year, even though, yep, I was still a total nerd loser in the ninth grade who watched science fiction television. But don't worry. Next year will be 1980 and the preppy handbook will come out. And then I will be a total preppy loser in the 10th grade.
0: Thanks for being here and hope to see you again soon. Pod Buffet, the eclectic mix of podcasts from around the world, brought to you Monday, Wednesday and Friday with a digest on Saturday morning, just in time for a late breakfast or early brunch. Enjoy.